Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Okay, so we're continuing with our, our Outward series uh, today. We've done two talks on this series so far. Uh, as always, you can get them on our YouTube channel if you've missed them. A quick recap. Our first one, we looked at outward, being outward in our thinking, how we can kind of uh, tackle this tendency we have as people to judge. Jesus encouraged us not to judge others. And so um, we looked at that whole uh, kind of issue in the first talk, trying to be a conduit for God's love rather than making our interior judgments on them. And last week, Jake looked at the idea of being outward in our relationships, how we do outward in the way we relate to people. Uh, rather than thinking about what can they do for us, thinking about what we can do for them. Um, today, I want to talk about something that's close to all of our hearts, and it's beautifully timed with the budget. I want to talk about money. Oh, anyone clutches their wallet? <laughs> Being outward with something that we all have to manage. We all have to mani- manage money. We all have to manage what God entrusts to us in the form of income and money. Money is one of the hardest subjects to talk about in church because straight away everyone thinks that I'm after your money. And of course I am. No, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not after your money and God's not after your money. But money is an incredibly important part of discipleship. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about money in the Gospels and stewardship of money and what God entrusts us. So if we're going to grow in outward living, we have to think about how does that affect our money? How does it affect the things that God brings into our lives how we manage them, and how we steward them. Handling money is a crucial part of being a disciple and follower of Jesus. Now, we're living in a time when there's huge pressures on our money. As Keely mentioned, the, the budget that's just come out, the, the cuts, the increase in utility bills, inflation, everything seems to be putting more and more pressure on our money. And so, why talk about money now? Well, I think money is really, really important because money is so close to our hearts. It's so close to all of our hearts that we need to talk about it because money is something that can captivate us and get the affections of our hearts. I want to stress again, I'm not after your money and Riverside is not after your money. Okay, This isn't a talk about raising money for the church. It isn't a talk about raising money for anything within Riverside. We want to discover a bit more today what Jesus said about money in terms of outward living. We're going to begin by looking in Math- back in Matthew's Gospel, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount is where we've been. So back into Matthew 6, we go today with these words from Jesus. He said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's talking about treasure, he's talking about lamps, and he's talking about masters. And these things will all be very familiar to someone 
back in Jesus' day, they would have been things that were present in everyday life. But for us, they're not so helpful, are they? We don't tend to think about treasure, we don't tend to think about lamps, and we don't certainly tend to think about who's in mastery over us. So I want to think about it a slightly different way today. Let's think about it this way. So treasure, where are you and I investing? Lamps, where are we looking? And masters, who are we serving? These three different things that Jesus touched to in this section. Let's begin with, with treasure. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. The word that the NIV translates here as store in the Greek is the word that means amass, amass or hoard. So it's just not about just storing things in a cupboard. Uh, this is about amassing or gathering things. And so Jesus is saying it's not wise to spend your life and your energy and your time amassing more and more stuff into your life. This isn't a good investment of your time. And Jesus tells us there's two big reasons why this is a bad idea. Firstly, moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. Now, in Jesus' time, there weren't banks. There weren't places to safely put your valuables. You couldn't have a safety deposit box. You couldn't take your valuables to a bank and put it in a vault. You'd have to hide it somewhere or try and put it somewhere secure and hope that the moths didn't come and chew on it and the rats didn't come and munch it and thieves didn't find it and steal it. You were always fearful that someone could come and take your treasure away from you, or your treasure would degrade over time and become less worth. Now, obviously, moths and rats can't munch on metal coins, so Jesus wasn't talking about moths physically eating your money. It could be if your money was paper, maybe moths get hold of it and eat it. Um, but He's using the moths and the rats as imagery to say that stuff on the earth that we can possess will degrade. It all degrades, it all breaks, it all wears out, it all... As you sit here, your clothes are degrading, your shoes are degrading, you're degrading, everything. (laughs) Everything. Some of you feel that more than others. Everything that you possess in this life wears out. It wears out. Your shoes wear out. Everything, your white goods wear out. Your car wears out. Everything degrades and spoils over time. And Jesus is saying that's what the moths and the, and the rats represent here. You know, the treasure that you hoard on earth actually is becoming worth less because it's degrading over time. And not only that, the thieves can come along and they can steal it. Someone can come along and take all your hard-earned treasure, all the stuff you've amassed and hoarded, can be taken and stolen away from you. And for a listener in Jesus' time, they've been fearful about someone breaking in or finding where their treasure was and stealing it away. There was no insurance to cover them. There was no way you could recover your treasure. Your treasure would be stolen from you. And you might worry about your treasure being stolen from you. You might worry about fraud. You might worry about a bad investment. You might worry about someone breaking into your house and taking your nice stuff. We still live with the fear that as we amass stuff in this world, world, it can be taken from us. It can be stolen from us. I was reading last night about catalytic converters being stolen from vehicles. So straight away I was thinking, how can I fit an alarm on my car? And straight away your mind starts to worry. We had our, our batteries nicked from our solar lights on the car park. 
the other week. So our solar lights don't work anymore because someone thought the value of the lead in the batteries was worth breaking open those cabinets and stealing the batteries. And so anything that we have can be taken and from us on the earth. So Jesus said it's a bad investment if we spend all our time and our energy trying to amass stuff that can actually spoil or be taken from us. But he also said this, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Our hearts and our treasure are closely linked. We've all found ourselves, haven't we, captivated by a new thing. Yeah? A new possession, you know, a new item. You know, we've, we've longed for it, we've got it. You know, maybe it's a present or we've saved it and gone and got that thing. And we're captivated by that thing that suddenly enters our life. Our heart and our treasure can be closely linked. And Jesus knew this when he encouraged the rich young ruler who came to him and said, Jesus, how can I follow you? How can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, actually, I can see in you that your treasure's captivated your heart. So you need to sell all that stuff, give to the poor, and then you can come and follow me. Jesus was trying to break the link between the man's treasure and his heart. He was trying to recapture the man's heart that had been captivated by his riches. But the gravity of those riches was too great. And it says the man went away sad because he had great wealth. The gravity of what he'd amassed in his life was too great to overcome to follow Jesus. And your money and your possessions and my money and my possessions, they do have a sort of gravity. They have a gravity. We've talked about in this series, haven't we, how we're trying to overcome the inward pull of sin, which we've talked about. It's like a gravity in our lives pulling us inward. And the force of love draws us outward towards God and towards others. But we battle against the, the selfish nature that draws us inward, the gravity of sin. And if you add to that lots of stuff, lots of treasure, lots of money, that increases that gravity within your life. And that inward pull gets stronger and stronger towards the self. I've known some very rich people and some very unhappy people, even in the midst of all their wealth, because the gravity pulls them in. I like that film and story of the Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, he's Scrooge, you help. All that money, all that money that he sits counting, you know, and, but on his own, lonely, trapped by the gravity of his riches. So the more we amass, Jesus tells us, the more our hearts will follow our treasure. He said this, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus recognises the gravity that money can draw us inwards. The more we amass, the more we focus on it, the more we, it becomes our fixation, and then it, it just takes us over. It starts to take control of our lives. We need to watch out, we need to be on our guard, because your life does not consist in the abundance of the stuff that you accumulate. And so we're wrestling against the inward life of sin, the gravity of the self, and we have to learn how to manage money and manage our treasure if we're going to do that. Because money will pull you away from God and it will pull you away from people if you don't learn to manage it well. So Jesus said this. He gave us the best advice we can get here. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. We're going to come back to that in just a few moments. Let's look at the next point Jesus is making. 
lamps. Where are you looking? In the middle of this teaching about money, Jesus puts this rather strange teaching about lamps. And most preachers just do the first bit, the last bit, and skip over the middle bit. But it's important that we focus on why Jesus talked about lamps. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what has your eyes being lamps got to do with treasure and money? How can unhealthy eyes lead you into darkness and healthy eyes lead you into light? What, what is Jesus saying here? Well, again, the NIV translation isn't really helping us because the word that's translated healthy here means single or complete. So what Jesus is saying is if you fix your eyes singly on God, then that will bring light into your life which will illuminate your path and give you direction. If your eyes single and fixed on God, then that's going to bring light and revelation into your life. But if your eye is fixed on something else, or in this case, money, or even if you've got one eye on God and one eye on money, your eye isn't single, it's actually it's split, you've got a split loyalty, then actually that's not going to bring the same level of illumination into your life. Your eyes aren't going to be the lamp of your body. You're not going to receive that revelation from God and you will be walking without that direction. And so we could say simply, if we focus outward with our money, if we fix our eyes on God and the kingdom, then it's like we're walking a well-lit path. But if we fix our eyes on amassing stuff, fix our eyes on money, or even think we can manage money and God at the same time and split our loyalties, then it's like we're stumbling around in the dark. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's why the lamp and the eye is so important in this passage. Our focus, where we're looking, has a massive impact on how we manage our money. And the last point, masters, who are you serving? Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Now, you might think you're the exception to the rule. But I like to take Jesus at his word. So, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, can't, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus challenges us about our ultimate loyalties. Where do they lie? Where is our ultimate loyalty lying? Does God have ultimate authority in your life? Or does money have ultimate authority in your life, because Jesus says you can't be loyal to both things. You can't be loyal to both masters. The words hate and love and devoted and despise are used by Jesus to really up the ante and help us to understand the gravity of what he's talking about. You can't love God and love money. There will be, one will dominate over the other. One will take mastery over the other. So Jesus says what's at stake here is where our loyalties ultimately lie? Who's going to take priority in your life? Who will you end up serving? Will you serve God or will you serve money? And the Greek word here is an old-fashioned word called mammon, which is a word that's gone out of fashion now, but it describes that whole idea of being fixated on the accumulation of wealth in this life. Okay, so let's think about how we apply these teachings to our lives. How do we store up treasures in heaven mastery where our loyalties lie and where we're focused. How do we do this? How do we, how do we think about these three things together? 
Well, the answer is really, really, really simple to all these three questions. It's we give. We give. Jesus showed us that our treasure, our focus, and our loyalty are all linked together. They're all linked together, a bit like in this circle here. They're all embedded and enmeshed together. So where we're looking, who we're serving, and what we're investing in are all intrinsically linked together. And they're all linked by giving. We choose to give in all of these three different areas. When we give our money, it reminds us that our lives are directed towards Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on him. And it helps us to remember who we're serving, who we're a child of. When you fix your eyes on God, it helps you to manage your money. And it also helps you to remember that you serve a God who actually has provided everything for you in the first place. And when you give God your loyalty, it automatically affects how you manage your money and where your eyes are fixed. So these three things are always intrinsically linked together. But followers of Jesus often do something quite weird. They do this. They, for some reason, think they should take their money out of the equation. For some reason, all the teaching about Jesus gives about money don't apply to them. For some reason, they can hold these things in tension but not have to think about whether they give money. Now, I'm not here to make anyone feel guilty about money this morning. But can I humbly suggest to you that if you don't give some of your money away, then you're not fully honouring the words of Jesus. Because for me, these three, three things have to be linked together. And again, we're talking about discipleship here. We're talking about personal growth. We're talking about outward living. We're not talking about raising funds. We're talking about how do we respond to the words of Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus talks about money and stewardship over and over and over and over again. But God isn't really interested in your money. He doesn't need, God isn't skint. He doesn't need your money. And can I humbly suggest that the church doesn't need your money either because places like Riverside, God is always faithful to provide for us. So this is not about raising money for God or for the church. What's God really interested in? He's really interested in your heart. He's really interested in the affections of your heart because he knows that your heart and your money are intertwined. And when we choose to give away some of our money, we are breaking the gravity of the self and we're saying to God, we want to reflect your generous nature. We want to reflect the God who's entrusted us with this treasure in the first place. We're going to give some of it away to bless the kingdom, and to bless other people. And then we begin to invest in things of eternal value that can't be eaten, (laughs) munched, spoiled, degraded, destroyed. They're things of eternal value that are treasures stored up in heaven. Now for some practicalities. I'm not going to tell you where to give your money today. Shock horror. I'm not going to do that. It's entirely up to you where you choose to give your money. Historically, you'd expect me as a pastor to say you need to give your money to the church. I'm not going to say that today. It's completely up to you where you want to choose to give your 
money. You could give to a charity, you could give to an appeal, you could give to an organisation, you could give to a person, you could give to another church, you could give to whatever you want to give to. I'm not going to tell you where to give your money. The most important thing is that you do choose to give some of your money. The why you need to give is what we've talked about today. As we give, we remind ourselves that we serve a loving God who's entrusted stuff to us and we get to steward it. And we get to break the gravity of the self by giving some of that away to others. We've got a very generous giving base within Riverside who enable the ministry of the church, who enable this building to be what it is today. But if you come to Riverside, I'm not going to make you give your money to the church. I'm not going to wait three months and get in a headlock in the corridor and say, are you giving? (laughs) It's entirely up to you what you choose to do with your money. But can I humbly suggest that you do need to give some of your money somewhere to something? Because that's a sign of discipleship and that's a sign of outward living. Because your money is woven to your heart. And when you choose to give some of it away, you're demonstrating to God that you want to live an outward life. Now, shock horror, I'm not going to tell you how much you should give. Historically, the church has preached about tithing. The tithe is the principle of giving 10% of your income to the church. Many churches have been sustained by the principle of tithing. Many churches like Riverside, their foundation was in tithing. The, the reason they could own buildings and own manses and, and buy old factories and refurbish them is because a whole group of people chose to give 10% or more of their income to the church. Again, we've got a core of people who give generously within Riverside. But I'm not going to tell you today that you have to give 10% of your money to the church. That's not my job to do that. All Jesus said was become generous in your giving. Be generous in your giving. Decide what God, decide what generosity looks like for you in your life. I can't tell you what generous giving looks like for you as a person. The thought of giving 10% of your money away might terrify you today, particularly if you've never even given in the past. The thought of somehow shoehorning at 10% of giving into your budget would just terrify you. And some people, they look at that and go, well, in that case, I'm not going to give anything at all. I won't give a thing. And they get stuck in this, they fall between two stools. The key thing, guys, is that you give something. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, each of you should decide, should give what you decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each of us has a responsibility in our heart to decide what we're going to give. That's something that rests firmly with each of us if we follow Jesus. It's It's a discipleship issue. It's a growth issue. It's a maturing issue. And so I'm not going to tell you the amount to give, but I'm going to tell you that you've got a choice that you need to make, which, again, I humbly suggest that you do decide to give something somewhere because it's a sign of the activity of Jesus in your life. You might feel you can give very little today, and that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But if you've never given anything, can I suggest you begin and start to give something And lastly, shock horror, I'm not going to tell you how often you should give. Some people give weekly, some people give monthly, some people give sporadically, some people give over and above that, some people give one-off amounts, additional amounts. 
I'm not going to tell you the frequency of what your giving should be. But again, can I humbly suggest it should be regular? Giving should become part of your life, part of the rhythm of following Jesus. As we gather to worship regularly, as we, as we pray regularly, as we, as we connect in small groups regularly, giving should be part of that rhythm that you've put into your life if you are following Jesus. We're trying to develop consistent habits, aren't we? That help us orientate ourselves towards God and remind us that we serve a God with a kingdom that's expanding. And so we put these habits in to help us to remember that we're children of the living God. And giving is one of those habits. It helps to remind us that our finances come under God's lordship, that he provides for us, he cares for us, he watches over us. It helps stop money taking control and becoming master in our lives. So as you sit here today, you might be sitting in a a number of different positions, as you watch this on video too. You might be somebody who's, who's never even thought about giving. It's never even crossed your mind. You might be somebody who's thought about giving but has been frightened by the scale or the impact on your finances. You might be someone who lives very close to the breadline and the thought of giving is just too much. You might be somebody who gives very occasionally. You know, something pops up and you think, oh, I'll give to that, and you give occasionally. You might be someone who gives regularly. And you might be somebody who gives regularly and generously and sacrificially. You can be in a whole different number of seats this morning. And only you know where you are. I'm not going to do an audit. Only you know where you are in terms of how giving fits into your life. But where do you, where do you aspire to be? Where would you like to be as you think about the words of Jesus this morning? How would you like God to intersect with your finances? And again, this is not about you feeling guilty or condemned. This is about outward focused living. And one of the key things that takes us outward is when we look at our money and think, God, can I trust you with it? Can I trust you? I think it was Moody who said we need two conversions, one for our soul and one for our wallet. And he was very true because our hearts and our money are tied very closely together. But remember, God isn't after your money. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. And so any choices you make around money and with God are helping us with the affections of our heart. The rich young ruler couldn't break the gravity of his wealth and he went away sad. And I'm sure Jesus was sad as well because it says in the Gospels that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus wanted him to enter fully into our life with Jesus. But the gravity of his wealth was was like an anchor that prevented him doing that. The money was in control. The money was master. And so he couldn't, he couldn't do what Jesus said. Now, Jesus doesn't say to you this morning, sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me. But he does say give. Give something because you're breaking that mastery of money in your life. God's not into raising funds, but he is into raising kids. And you are his children. And what he wants to do is help you learn to manage your money wisely. Learning to spend properly, learning to save, and learning to give. They're all parts of kingdom living in terms of our finances. Now, our passion here at Riverside, my passion is to equip you in the grace of giving. 
Riverside does not need your money, okay? Now, the trustees are going, why did he say that? <laughs> because I'm trying to tell you this is not about me or Riverside wanting your money. Whatever you choose to give is entirely up to you, but it's important if you're going to grow as a follower of Jesus that you give. It's a massively important part of discipleship and maturity. We want to excel in the grace of giving. Some of the happiest people I've known in, in ministry with Keely are people who are generous givers because their lives and their hearts are turned outward. Money doesn't have mastery over them. They master money. They, they manage money well, and they steward it well, and it's a tool for bringing happiness to people and extending the ministry of the Lord. Here's a few more reasons, a few more opportunities that you can think about why it's good to give, just to help us this morning. When we give, it expresses God's nature. We worship a generous God, don't we? We worship a God who gives to us without holding back. And so when we give, we reflect that generosity. We reflect the generous God that we worship. It's an opportunity to draw closer to God. Your heart is always where your treasure is. So if you want to move your heart, move your treasure, and your heart will follow. We often think, well, I'll just wait till my heart moves, and then my, then my money will follow. But actually, when you make a choice to move your treasure, then your heart will go with it. So storing up treasure in heaven brings you closer to God, brings you nearer to God. When you bring your money under God's management, it draws you closer to him. The opportunity to bless and please God. In Philippians 4.18, the Apostle Paul talks about a financial gift that's been gathered from the church. And he says this, it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. It pleases God when you and I grow in maturity and, and say, God, I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my money. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, we make it our pleasure, our goal to please God. And God knows that a generous heart, and being generous with our money, brings, it brings pleasure. It brings pleasure to God. It brings pleasure to us. It brings pleasure to the people that are served and blessed by the money. And it reaffirms our trust in God. It's an opportunity to, to gain freedom from materialism. Culture tells you the more stuff you have, the happier you will be. He who dies with the most toys wins. That's the Western mindset. The more you have, the happier you will be. But it's simply not true, is it? The gravity of materialism actually is a punishing thing. It saps joy, it saps happiness, it saps a sense of peace and security. Some of the happiest people I've met on the earth have, 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 the, have the least. I've been to places in, in Malawi and Mozambique and met people with the least amount of material possessions and yet living some of their happiest lives because they, the materialism doesn't have a grip on them in any way, shape or form. So your giving breaks that gravity of materialism. Instead of being held in orbit around your stuff, which many people are, orbiting around their money and their possessions, you begin to orbit around God. He's the centre of your life. He's the focus. And you orbit around his love and his life rather than orbiting around the gravity of the possessions and the money. Some of the happiest people are those people who break free from the grip of materialism. And every time you give, 
it breaks the more that's embedded in culture. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. Every time you choose to give, it breaks a little bit of that materialism that's so endemic in our society. An opportunity to invest for eternity. We've already mentioned being naked once today. I'll mention it again. Naked you come into the world and naked you will leave. You can take nothing with you. Nothing with you. Nothing goes with you. You come into the world with nothing and you leave with nothing. The only stuff that we take with us is the stuff that is stored in heaven, that we've deposited in eternity, the things that we've done in alignment with the kingdom, the investments we've made in people's lives. The legacies that we leave are the kingdom legacies that we leave behind, and the investments we have are the deposits we've made in eternity. That's where your treasure needs to be. That's where you need to be amassing treasure in heaven, where the moths and the rats don't ruin it, and where thieves don't break in the steel. That's the stuff that's of eternal value. Opportunity to be blessed. We never, I've never ever preached a, um, a sort of that whole um, prosperity gospel where if you give, God gives you money back. I don't believe in it. But I do believe that as you give, you, you increase the blessing in your life. You, you understand more of God's heart. You understand more... Uh, of God's love for people. You're more in rhythm with who he is. It says in Proverbs 22.9, the generous themselves will be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And Jesus in Luke 6 said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We've already talked about that in the context of love in the first talk. The measure we give to others is the measure that is given to us. And, but Jesus doesn't give us just the same measure back. He gives us a measure that's pressed down, shaken together, running over, a quart crushed into a pint pot, if you like. The abundance of God poured back into our lives because we've chosen to be a conduit for his love with our finances. You're learning throughout this series, hopefully, that there's, a, there's kind of a a reciprocal thing that's happening here. If you give out encouragement, you tend to find encouragement giving back, don't you? If you give out judgment, you tend to find judgment comes back. If you live generously, you tend to find generosity comes back. There's some principles that are here in the kingdom that what we sow, we reap. And it's the same with our money. If we choose to give our money, then there's something reciprocal is a blessing back to us. The opportunity to experience happiness. Jesus is quoted as saying there's it's, it's, it's more happiness in giving than receiving. And I think the happiest people on the earth are possibly the generous givers, the people who choose to generously allow their lives to be a conduit to bless others. Jesus said, lose your life and you'll find it. Lose your life and you'll find it. Lose some of your money and perhaps you'll find something different. Give away your time give away your energy, give away your money, as you lose your life on the, for, for others, then something of infinite value pours back into your life. As you spend your life on others, as you spend your life on God in kingdom ministry, something pours back into you that goes beyond just a, just a, a moment of happiness. It's a deep residing joy that you're in step 
with your, God, your Heavenly Father. You're in step with the kingdom. You're in step with the person of Jesus. So money can bring you happiness if it's used and managed in the right way. So I invite the worship band to come back, please. We're going to spend a few moments now just in the Lord's presence, just reflecting. I want no one to go away from here today feeling guilty. I want no one to go away from here feeling condemned that they, they, they don't give enough or they don't give. The key thing is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you about stewardship in your life? The things that have been entrusted to you. You need to take time with him to say, Lord, how can giving become a regular part of my walk with you? What might that look like for me? Why don't we stand together? Jesus, who was rich in everything, gave everything for us. We sing the songs every Sunday about that fact. Jesus gave everything. There were no limits to what Jesus gave. He said, greater love has no one than he who lays down his life for his friends. And so Jesus gave everything for us. And he wants us to catch a measure of that. As we come into his presence in worship, he wants our hearts to be changed and moved to break the mastery of the culture that's trying to shape us, to be a countercultural people who can live kingdom values. The world would say to you, hang on to every penny. Hang on to every penny because you've earned it and it's yours. You hang on to it and you use it for what you want. But Jesus would say, don't let money master you. You can't serve God and money. Let God be the master. Let, let his light illuminate your life and from that light you're able to see how to manage your money clearly without any fear without it mastering your, your, your choices or your emotions generosity is about so much more than money it's about generosity in every area of our lives but money is a key part and I think for some of you as you give this your attention you will have breakthroughs in other parts as well because we've shown that they're linked. These things are linked together. So as we worship, let's, just, let's, let's let God speak to us in the privacy of our hearts as we sing together. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.